This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. I met today's guest last September at a seminar taught by Tom Seeley. He had built a bee catching box, much like the one described in Dr. Seeley's book, Following the Wild Bees. We got to talking, and I ended up inviting him to come and speak to Portland Urban Beekeepers about his experience using Seeley's methods for finding wild and kept colonies. And while he was in town, we got together in a pancake house parking lot to talk about bee lining, topo maps, turntables, and rebellious bees. Meet the president of the North Olympic Peninsula Beekeepers Association, Rex Roberton. So Rex, you are a bee liner and you have an amazing property in the Olympic Peninsula mm-hmm. where you can spend your days hunting bees. How does that work? So it kind of started last summer. I was out looking in the garden and being up there for years and not seeing honeybees. I wasn't managing any hives. I had hives years ago in Montana, but I I didn't have any hives up there and didn't know of any neighbors that had bees. And I just was so curious about, did I get it like a neighbor that's got bees now? Or are there actually wild colonies? You know, I'd been reading Dr. Seeley's stuff, and uh, you can actually do this, do bee lining. And uh, I built a box and started just catching bees and trying to figure out how do you paint them, what do you do? Yeah, so what is the box comprised of? Because, like, you can't just use a regular cardboard box like describe the process and why do we need a box and what do we put in it to get the bees to come into it okay so actually technically you don't need a box there's other ways to do it you could take a glass with a piece of cardboard go out and catch a bee in it and if you knew how to do it you could get feed them release them and get them to come back but the the idea with the bee box is that it has two chambers. Each end of the box will open up. One end is the trap door, and you so you come up to a flower that has a bee on it. You get up to the flower, quickly shove it over the bee and the flower, and slam the door shut. So, <laughs> right. So now you have a bee in that trap chamber, and then there's a slider that you like a compartment divider that slides up and so the bee could go into other side so you open the door on the other side but it's closed with glass so it lets the light in and kind of tilt the box up and the bees just go right to this second chamber then you while you're looking in there so you don't squash the bee you slide the chamber uh, divider back down so now you have a, a bee in the back chamber and then you go and repeat you just catch another bee usually you want to try to get six, seven, eight, nine, ten bees. So once you get the bees in there, so now what you want to do is feed them and release them. So you 
slide a, a little tray in there with what I use as a little lid that has marjoram flowers that I've kind of smashed down and then put some uh, sugar syrup down inside. So put that in there, cover it with a dark cloth, lift up the divider panel, and the bees go in and they find that syrup and they start drinking it up. And it's so funny to me because I would think, you know, I'm a bee and then all of a sudden I've been abducted. I know. It's and like, now I'm in a dark, I, scary van right. and <laughs> they're feeding me syrup. Yeah. Would I drink the syrup? Yeah. I would think they would just be terrified and be trying to get out. But it's so interesting that, oh, hey, there's some free food in here. This That's right. good. Right. And then what happens? So, yeah. So they they just like automatically start drinking it up. So then you open the door and release the bees. They'll come out and they kind of fly back and forth, usually not in a complete circle, but just back and forth. And they're orienting, mm -hmm. looking around like where they're at. And they go back to the hive. And uh, of course, they're going to do the waggle dance and then they they come back. So within a half an hour or an hour, it just depends on how strong the hive is and the distance and a lot of different things, you can end up with like really hundreds of bees right there. And, and wow. that, that happened. One of my main problems that I had last year was I was trying to find this colony that was nearby. It was only like a third of a mile from my property, but it was a real small colony. And there was a, a big, strong colony a mile away, and they were interfering with this whole project. So it took me 11 days to find <laughs> this um, colony that was only uh, really a matter of a uh, quarter mile to a, a third of a mile away. Wow. So... And yeah. you're you're painting the bees <clears throat> as they like. How are you okay, so, keeping track of them? Yeah, right. So once you do the release and you, you get them coming and going, you need to paint a few of them. So they're each one that you paint is individually marked. So you can use d different colors. Are we using like what, what kind of paint is it? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not thinking like Krylon or something like water-based <laughs> acrylic is what I use, mm -hmm. and you could use the markers that they make for. Marking queens, I guess. I haven't oh, okay. done that yet. And, and a paintbrush. And um, they come back. And once they get settled and they're, they're feeding and they're drinking up the, the syrup, they're pretty locked in to, to that. So uh, if you come in real s slow with the uh, fine paintbrush with, with the paint on it, you come in and um, either mark them on the thorax or on the abdomen. You just... You have to be really careful because you don't want to get the paint on their wings. Oh, that, that's right. Bad news if, you, if that happens. And so I, when I was first learning, you know, I, I watched, of course, these videos with Dr. Seeley, and he is like an artist with this. I watch <laughs> one. So he's sitting on one side of the box, and the bee's over on the other side away from him, and he reaches way ar around to the other side and comes in and puts a dot. That's not easy to do because, again, you don't want it on their wings. So um, I started experimenting with a little turntable that was on the inside of the door. So I uh -huh. could uh, turn it to the right direction, get them set up, and then I could just come in with my right hand real close and get them painted. That, that so worked really well. So that's what the turntable so, is for. I was yeah. trying to figure that out. Not, yeah, okay. Because okay. I mean, they're yeah. not listening to beats in there. 
exactly. <laughs> also, when the bees are returning and you're trying to identify the ones that are marked, sometimes they land on the, on the other side with their back away from you and you can't tell, especially if it gets really crowded. Because sometimes mm-hmm. you could have like literally dozens of bees, like enough to f- cover the whole lid, the feeder. And then bees on top of them, and even bees on top of them, and that bees makes, on bees on yeah, bees. Yeah, yeah, like three deep. <laughs> yeah. So you don't want that. And part of being inexperienced is that you don't want to spend too much time at one station to to end up with too many bees, mm-hmm. and and because then it gets to be total chaos. And so, like maybe once you have a dozen or so bees, then be then how yeah. do you decide which direction that you want to go into next like if you have bees going from multiple directions how do you decide yeah so that's what happened to me i found out and it took a while to figure this out because initially i'm just within my own yard you know learning how to paint and figure out watching them you know it's hard if there's big trees in the way but um trying to figure out you know where they're going but after several days of that and then making some moves outside my property, I've discovered that there were three colonies feeding in my uh, herb garden. And uh, one colony was almost two miles away off to the east, and there was like no way I could would even consider going. There was, because of the distance, you wouldn't want to try that. But then uh, going, it was going through... A, a lot of private property, and then down into a really uh, deep gorge where the um, Morse Creek drainage system goes through. So one uh, colony off to the east, and initially I thought I was seeing some bees going to the west, so I thought, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some bees going that way. I can't tell for sure, um, but I, I moved a station outside of my property, and then uh neighbors gave me permission to go up to a clearing on their property and from there i discovered that they they were going two directions one to the northwest and one to the south oh. and so the the one to the northwest was this little colony and um the one to the south was a big colony possibly two colonies down there like maybe a uh parent colony and one that it was wow. maybe four or five hundred yards away. So, How can you tell the size of the colony? So I, I decided, okay, I'm gonna go find the one that's close by. I mean that that made sense. Plus when I when I got the first compass reading off of the big colony that was to the south and marked it out on the topo map, it put them way over in the Olympic National Park, right on the the border of the park, and there was a a uh, very deep gorge there that uh, um, talked to one of my neighbors and he said he'd been in there and you'd have to have a rope to go down and, oh, wow. and get up. So I thought, well, that that's not going to happen. But <laughs> um, So I decided, okay, I'm going to go after this other colony. But the problem I had and the way I figured this out is, you know, I'd move out into this area. This is on Department of Natural Resources land that had been um, harvested maybe six or seven years ago. So they they don't really do clear cut now. They take most of the trees, but they leave, you know, for, for the birds and different. So is it more of a thinning out then? It's not thinning. They're just trying to leave some stuff for uh, different birds and animals and 
you know, they don't really care about honeybees because they consider that to be non-native species. So um, anyways, what I was uh, starting to say is I'd make these moves up into there and there were not very many bees going that direction, even though I, I know there's a line that has to go up there and this interfering colony, they would be there in mass. And so I, so I'm move, making these moves to the north. And even though this other colony, the big colony is like a mile, almost a mile away, and I'm moving away from them, they're just gaining in number. And uh, like I was saying earlier, you can have too many bees, and this kept happening to me. And so I'd, I'd get up in there, and I'd just get overwhelmed. And when, when it gets to the point where the, the feeder is totally full and no bees can get onto the feeder, then they're all over the place in the air. And then also the other thing is when recruits are coming, like so the early bees have gone back and done the waggle dance, and they're sending out these recruits. The recruits don't fly like directly to you. They don't know where you're at. They're they got an idea where you're at, and they're doing a lot of scenting. So they might come out and be way off to, uh, you know, up the hill or down the hill, and so they're come coming in from other directions, following the the scent. So it depends on the wind and all these different things. So it gets like total chaos. And so I'd I'd get up in there and I'd be overwhelmed and I'd I just lose the the beeline. Mm-hmm. And so the first time I went up in there, I wasn't using the, the oregano flowers in the the feeder. Traditionally the bee hunters they get old brood comb and they mm-hmm. they put the syrup in in there and I didn't have any old brood comb so I'm just trying to like figure this out. I'd heard that bees can get diseases from brood comb and I thought well that wouldn't be good, so I was yeah. just experimenting. So I tried using a, like these little squares of sponge, and I moved up into there. And this was actually the second day. I thought, okay, I think there's some bees up that direction. I'm just gonna like catch bees and take them up the hill and see if see what happens. And so I went way up in there. It was probably four or five hundred yards, which is more than you usually really want to make in one one move. Oh. Um, but uh, I made a release, and the bees, you know, they oriented and disappeared. And I, I sat there, and I wasn't, it wasn't maybe even like three or four minutes. And one bee came back, flew in front of the sponges, and went kind of back and forth, and just like, no, nope, just oh. disappeared. <laughs> and later I realized, I found out uh, when I found the colony that I was so close, I, I, I think I could have thrown a rock and hit the, the tree that they were in. And, oh. uh, do you think that they must have been really high up? No, they they weren't. Um, no, they were in a fir, a dead Douglas fir that had kind of fallen against the hillside. It had split up high and uh, fallen against the hillside and then rotted out inside. And and they were actually at eye level oh, when wow. I found them. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. But, um, yeah, so one time I went up there and I spent a whole day up in there. I mean, it seems ridiculous that it would take. And again, um, I got up in there and I, I was up again close enough that I could have thrown a rock and hit the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually passed 
I was following a very weak line of bees and being overwhelmed again by this colony and uh, the big colony from the park. And I passed the tree, so the line reversed. Um, But I didn't know it because the line reversed right into this strong line of the the bees from the uh, south, the the other (laughs) colony. And though you could sit there, you know, turn around, look to the south, and there's just like a steady stream of them. A lot of them were just coming in above the grass, and they just kind of doing a little scenting thing where they're on a little path back and forth, back and forth, and narrowing in on the path. And it was getting late. sun's starting to drop behind the mountain. I went up, uh, decided I didn't want to try hiking out all the way back through that clear cut. It's pretty trashy in there. So there was a road I could get on. I got up above. I decided to set up one more station. And um, by then, but I think because it was late, I I lost a lot of the um, the bees from the south. They were like, you know, oh. late in the evening. Uh, the bees are not going to be going that far. They'll they'll be nearby, so they were going home. And then I got a line that went down to the east that crossed right where I had been. So I knew, okay, they're down there. I know, I know they're down there. I just got to get in there um, and figure it out. So I actually got a phone call. My mom had gone into the hospital, so I had to leave town for like a month. Oh, oh right no. Right there, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was crazy. But so a month later, I, I came back and um, made another failed attempt, again, because being overwhelmed by this other colony. <laughs> so then I decided, okay, there's got to be, I've got to get up in there with only bees from this uh, DNR colony, no bees. So first I, you know, I've been reading all of Dr. Seeley's books and he has one that's kind of a textbook. Uh, I forget the name of it, but I remember he was reaching in and just picking up bees. And I thought, oh, you could do that? Yeah, <laughs> good idea. Uh, well, one day I tried just, um, I had a couple bees marked that I knew were going up to the DNR and all these other bees from the south. And so with baggies, I'd scoop up the bees from the, from the other colony and toss them on the ground and keep doing that. I had a pile of about eight or nine bags of these bees. I didn't, oh, my gosh. So this is just to keep them just, out of your box yeah, while I'm so waiting you could focus on the other yeah, bees. This, oh. like, yeah, it was crazy. And, uh, of course, I let them all go. Nobody, No bees were injured in that failed experiment. <laughs> but, and I caught one bee only one that was from the other colony. And I went to transfer him and made a mistake and he flew away. I lost him. Oh. So the next day I thought, okay, plan B. I got my wife to come and help. And so she was kind of being my spotter, keeping track of, I got about 12 bees painted just really as fast as I could. And so as soon as I had a bee that come in like seven minutes or six minutes, I knew that had to be from this other the colony that I was after, because the, the minimum time from the other colony was nine minutes. They were using nine, 10, 11, 12 minutes. Uh-huh. Um, so as soon as I got a, like a seven minute bee, I just reached in, grabbed them, stuck them in a, in a little container. I got three bees that way. So then the plan is like, take those bees up and uh, get away from all these bees from the other colony and 
just do a release with those three Bs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're releasing them in the direction that you think that the colony is. Well, I knew that those bees just by the timing mm-hmm. when I was doing that capture. Um, so that's the main thing that I was using because it, where I'm at right there, I've got DNR forest along my property, real high trees. Mm-hmm. And so DNR is Department of Natural Resources. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, do not yeah. resuscitate. DNR do not resuscitate <laughs> <What's> trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So. Uh, we went to do the release over there with those three bees, mm-hmm. and it started raining. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then I I wasn't completely thinking this out because I could have just brought them home and kept them warm. Oh. Because, you know, they're, it's this is September and cool nights. Yeah. But I couldn't release them. I actually had them covered and ready to do the release, and it started raining, and it didn't quit, and I just couldn't let them go. So I just left them there. Well, um, one bee didn't survive that ordeal but the other two did Mm -hmm. Uh, so the next day this is the next day i'm going out back and um um, they're kind of sluggish and so i it took about a half an hour for them to like wake up and you know i kind of blew my breath on them made them mad a couple times and and, uh, they did those two finally came out crawled around and flew away Mm -hmm. and about uh, four minutes later a bee showed up. It wasn't one of the painted bees. Those those bees were painted. It wasn't one of those. I think oh. they just said, "Hey, I've had a rough night. I'm going to <laughs> I'm, bed. Yeah, bedtime. Like... Uh, you know, where where's where are the bees that go to sleep? I'm going over that <laughs> section." <laughs> so um, a bee showed up, and uh, then a little later, a couple more bees showed up, and I had a line going. Only the DNR bees, no. Oh my gosh! What was going through your mind? Were you completely freaking out? Yeah, it was like exciting. It's like (laughs) this is totally different. It's like, you know, uh, why didn't I figure this out earlier? But so then, this is a day that we had the our club potluck. So I only had like a little time to get this going. Damn obligations! I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but I got this line going. I think I made one move. And um, did the potluck, got back around three, uh, made another move, I think, and um, uh, was building up. You know, I probably had, you know, a couple dozen bees going, which is, you know, perfect. And not having any trouble moving up the line. But, again, it's late, and then it started raining again. So, you know, I kind of cover the box. You you leave your box out at night because when you leave, you want to— Fill it up. Let the bees, you know, can work as long as they can, mm-hmm. and then they'll be back in the morning. They're probably there waiting for you when you come back in the morning, even wow. depending on the temperature. So yeah, so it started raining, and I, I sat there for a half an hour. And several of these bees, I have a a video of it on my uh, YouTube. I called it the rain bees. For thirty minutes, these bees were going back and forth in the rain, wow. and it was raining enough you could hear the rain uh, when I listened to the recording. That's how much it was raining, and the oh. bees looked wet. Oh. So I had to go home, got rained out, and end of the day. Does so that the, just totally the, bum you out for the rest of the day? Were uh, you really crabby after that? No, I was pretty excited because I <laughs> oh, yeah. I was pretty sure, like, tomorrow. Tomorrow's the day. Yeah. Were you day able to 11. sleep? Oh, it, day 11. It takes 11 days day. to find for a, 
for a beginner that doesn't know what he's doing, 11 days. <laughs> but that counts the days where you're just learning how to paint. Yeah. And and watching the bees and figuring out the bee line. So, yeah. So the next day I went up there, talked my wife into coming with me. We went up in there. We made two moves. I was moving from, to the north northwest. I made one move that passed. And this usually happens at the end of the hunt. You might just go too far because you're you know you you don't know for sure so the line reverses so I, I got a really good station going and obviously they were the line had reversed and now it uh, was um south southwest mm-hmm. so then it was just like get out and wa- start walking around and there weren't that many trees standing there i was kind of puzzled about that and um down in this little draw and, and i saw um this dead Douglas fir. It was about three feet diameter at the at the base. A good good sized tree. Went over there, crawled up uh, up the hill, and got around the other side. And there the bees were just buzzing around. So I was pretty excited. Yeah. I, when uh, you I took a picture of the big uh, <laughs> the selfie for the big smile. <laughs> the selfie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you must have felt so victorious I was, to find I, that. I was just going around studying it, totally so excited, and uh, then called Chris, had her come over and take a look yeah. at my life, and um, yeah, that was exciting. So. so now that you've begun to locate these <clears throat> colonies, do you go and visit them during the year to check up on them? That colony ever got back. I went back in uh, in uh, March, and I didn't see any activity. I, I, I'm thinking they didn't make it. Oh. Yeah. And and when I saw them, I thought, mm, this doesn't look like a good place. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. a bear could come along and get into it easily. We have bears up there. And um, we had a bear in the area when, on the next bee hunt uh, that I went on. So This always makes yeah. me think about, you know, as humans, we fuss a lot about how we set up our hives. Mm-hmm. And we want them facing a specific direction under mm-hmm. specific yeah. light conditions, so many feet off the ground. But when we look at wild colonies, they don't seem to have that same they, guidebook yeah. of conditions that must be met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think sometimes they make, you know, they they know how to judge a cavity size, but they mm-hmm. don't. I don't think they judge uh, some other aspects. You know, uh, this. Um, this, there was actually, I found down low, there was another entrance in. Some bees were going in low. And there was a big entrance where this rotted wood was that they'd put a lot of propolis in there. Hmm. Um, but it was like, to me, it seemed like that's like a, a big top entrance. And so I was wondering, how, how are they going to hold any heat in there? And we had a heck yeah. of a, a winter up there, too. In February, we had like over five feet of snow and a whole <gasps> month of... Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Wow. Yeah. So anyways. Wow. Okay, so looking forward <laughs> for this season, are there some things that you're going to do differently now that you've got a full uh, season of bee hunting under your belt? Oh, yeah. Um, so I have three or four other club members that are building the the boxes. I've made some instructional videos. And, you've assembled an army. And Yes. And I in January, I put out a sign-up list. Uh, do you want to go? on a field trip bee hunting and I had 20 people signed up 
So incredible. Uh, we're going to do a bunch of bee hunting. I'm kind of curious to get uh, into some of these remote areas. There's uh, out on the coast side of the peninsula, there's some remote areas. It, I think it'd be fun to get in there. Mm-hmm. Like for a, it, For a venture like that, would it be like a, a camping excursion as well? Or would you do a full day and then come back the next day or maybe a few days later? I haven't done any camping because of my location doing hunts. I can just load up the backpack and be gone for the day and then, then come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be fun to do like, okay, we're going to do like a two or three day backpacking trip. And if I can find someone that's real familiar with, say, like the whole rainforest and some of those I'm just curious about, are there wild bees out there where they get 12 feet of rain every year? Mm-hmm. I, but anyways, we're just going to let it uh, develop and see who wants to go and who knows. You need to be able to find honeybees on flowers, and fireweed is probably the uh, the main one, you know, because end of July, August, September is definitely a dearth, and there's mm-hmm. not. Um, but we do have the fireweed, and... Uh, so catching bees off fire the fireweed. So do you think that maybe is the best time of year to do it because you can get real specific about so. what the yeah, flowers are looking at? Yeah, I haven't tried like at. springtime. Yeah. Um, I think if there's something, if there's a good flow on, then it's going to be hard to get bees to recruit to a bee box. Yeah. And they kind of make <laughs> they do the math. You know, like if uh, maple trees are in full bloom, they're probably not going to. You know. So it, but there's a lot about that. You know, I've read a lot, but I don't, that doesn't mean I really know a lot until you go out there and, and start doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're on a really exciting journey and I thank you so much for coming and sharing your, your tales with us. And perhaps you'll inspire some of our listeners to get into the art of beelining. I hope so. And, um, one thing I, I didn't mention is you know, Dr. Seeley, in his book, Following the Wild Bees, he also talks about urban bee lining. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so you don't necessarily have to be out in the wild and go find a, a colony. You can catch some bees and paint them and time them. And, you know, you could get and your lawn chair. some beekeeper in the neighborhood is like, yeah, you could why map out is all my the, bee pink? Yeah, you could, <laughs> you could map out all the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh. It doesn't hurt them, you know. <laughs> it was funny, like, because I was catching so many bees right out of my uh, herb garden, I'd be like, three days later, I'd come back and those bees, some of those painted bees were still, were coming back wow. and, they, and I'd catch them again. And then I have a neighbor that's like not r- next to me, like um, I have like two d- neighbors down, which is, you know, these are all like one, two, five a- acre properties. And uh, she was out in her yard one day and she said, Rex, there was a bee with a blue thorax in my garden. <laughs> You're like so, teenagers. Yeah, they're it, like always dyeing know, their hair and yeah, stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So it's kind of funny. Yeah, it doesn't hurt them to paint. So the other thing I, my video is about building a wooden bee box, but that's a big project and most people are not going to be able to do that. So another thing I want to do to be able to design a real simple box made out of like a, just a, like an orange juice carton or something Mm -hmm. like that, where you can just 
uh, get some glue and scissors and cut it up and and have your two chamber box and so anybody could do it because then you're not doesn't have to be like just carpenters that are building bee boxes and going hunting it could be anybody can do it yeah and uh so yeah <laughs> thank you oh, thank, thank you, you so much thanks for inviting me <laughs> it's been a blast coming down here i love the the club and oh uh, thank you yeah thank you to learn more about rex and the art of bee lining check out my blog at waggleworkspdx.com and be sure to subscribe to his youtube channel called wild project it's loaded with videos that demonstrate the processes that we talked about today are you enjoying the show consider becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the work that I do with this podcast. Visit patreon.com forward slash Mandy Shaw. You can also find Beekeeper Confidential on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Until next time, may the buzz be with you. Confidential is a Waggle Works production and is written and produced by Mandy Shaw. And I think okay, I'm going to bump you up just a little bit. I might need to be bumped up a little bit. I'm bumping you up, man. You're getting bumped. <laughs>